What's going on, man? What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Watkins, and I want to officially welcome you to episode three of the Stay Up Podcast, man. The podcast is going to change your life and mine. And if you can't hear it in my voice, I am extremely, extremely excited to be here discussing education and the African-American community with one of the most important people in my life to this date and forevermore. I'm going to let her introduce herself. We're going to chop it up a little bit, and then we're going to be on our way. So tell the people about you. That was an excellent introduction, Jay. My name is Sakina Shakur Riley, hailing all the way from Charleston, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I came to Salisbury after my, um, I guess, journey to begin education. So I went to Burke High School, which is a historic high school in Charleston, South Carolina. Still there, coming up on a 20-year reunion next year. Okay, okay. Past the 2000. What up? Um, what up? We, uh, we got, you know, we've come a long way. And I guess my journey here started with going to St. Augustine's College, now University in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, home of the Falcons. Okay. I majored in English, and I had an excellent experience there. I go back every other year. I still cheer on the alumni team. Oh, yeah, I still go on the yard. I still sit on the quad for like nine hours straight, completely unproductively productive because that's what we do. Yeah. Um, and then after I graduated from St. Aug, I taught out east at a middle school in Martin County. And um, middle school is awesome, but it's a lot of layers. Yeah. Um, but I, I enjoyed what I was able to do there and what I learned in that environment. But high school is definitely much more my strong suit where I met this amazing young man named Jay Watkins, hey, I think you know him they might. right here. He's they might. <laughs> captain of the ship right now. Um, very, very, very proud of you and honored to be here. But, okay. um, you know, we met at, Saint, at Salisbury where I was teaching. So I've been there for almost 10 years. And now I am at Rowan County Early College, still teaching uh, both high school settings, both taught elements of literature, world literature, American literature, British literature, um, creative writing, SAT prep, All writing, it. anything you can think of, English and writing, I'm in there. Um, so I guess it's, it's my thing. All of it. And so if you can't tell, you know, the reason why Miss Shakur Riley is here, I mean, it's hard for me to add it on her last name, even though I love her husband, great guy. I filmed their wedding, so I'm yes, in the family. Yes, you did. You were at the wedding. I'm, I, I am in the family, yeah. um, but I did meet her as... Miss Shakur, so if I don't and slip, us move in. yeah, I did help them move too. So you know, I'm I'm definitely what's up, cousin. Right. Um, so if I slip and call just Miss Shakur, y'all, you know, charge it to my head, not to my heart. Um, but if you can't tell, the reason she here, she's here, is because she's so influential in my life, but also in the people around me and the people that are coming up after me. Um, and education is such an important piece when we talk about advancing in life. And so when this idea came to my mind, it was no. Uh, no lapse of time before I reached out to her and said, hey, um, I'm ready to shoot or record this episode, rather, and I need you on board for it. And she was gung-ho to do so. Um, so I'm so excited that we're about to do this conversation. Um, so y'all, you know, strap in and let's get it. So. When talking about things that are very important in our community, I think it's very, very uh, incumbent upon us to touch on what put us where we are. And education is one of those things that 
we have to discuss, you know, our upbringing and education um, and what created us as educators today, because it's a huge difference between an educator and a teacher. I won't get on that soapbox right now, but there's a difference. So uh, Miss Riley is going to kind of <laughs> get you guys uh, her background, um, her upbringing and her household, how education played a pole, pole, excuse me, played a role in that. And then she's going to talk about how that shaped the educator she is today. Yes, and I, I hope I can follow that track, but um, grew up, like I said, in Charleston, South Carolina, um, in downtown. Downtown is a historic area in the low country. Um, if you don't know much about it, it is um, a hub for, I may be exaggerating, but it may not be millions of visitors every year from around the world that come and explore Geechee Gullah culture. Um, and what life was like, of course, is not the same as it is today, but a lot of our structures and our um, environment is, is similar to the days of yore. And so people are attracted to that. So here's the irony. If you grow up in Charleston, you're not always attracted to that. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. like you're Geechee, and so you sound different. Everyone thinks you're from the island. I had to work a really, 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 really long time for y'all to understand what I'm saying right, right now, now. <laughs> um, because our, our dialect is different. We are um, the home of the only lasting dialect in America. Wow. Um, and for a dialect to be recognized, it's got to fit specific traits. So okay. it's got to be inspired by a language, but it also has to be um, inspired by multiple languages, which is what you get in Gullah Geechee culture. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit later, but <laughs> in uh, being immersed in that setting, also put me into a unique situation where my entire community was black. I knew black judges, but I knew black dope boys. I knew black teachers. I knew black custodians. I knew black um, thieves that could get you anything from a mattress to a fishing pole. Boosters. Right? Boosters. Boosters. Um, but I also knew black business owners, um, especially one that stands out on Rutledge Avenue, Murray Meat Market. Okay. Murray supported when I went to Washington, D.C. Um, at a youth leadership conference. Murray's Market supported me when I went to the West Coast of Africa with one of our teachers at Burke High School, Ms. Vivian Jones, who, I mean, just awesome. Like, she was my uh, teacher cadet okay. instructor. And I just knew when her choir was going to Africa, I was going. I couldn't sing a lick, but I said, I could write about it. You know, let me go. What's up? Is, yeah. Is Jones, can I use go? your strengths. Yeah, yeah. You use your strengths. Um, so, so that was a part of, you know, what was beautiful that I could speak with her in that way. Um, so, but what I experienced in my home with my um, mother and my father or my Umi and my Abu is just daily lessons about self. Yeah. So I, I would say that education started with who I was just as a person, as um, a female, mm -hmm. as an African-American, as an athlete, um, as a tomboy, yeah. as a hardhead you know, student, as a class clown sometimes, just needing to understand what that was. And so my education within the home was specific to me. Yeah. But we also had parts of education that were specific to my little brother because he was different than me. Yeah. My big sister was a little different than me. Um, so we weren't monochromatic by far. Um, and I love that our parents recognized that and, yeah. and tried to, you know, pull each trait out of us. But keeping that, that similarity of us being Muslim, being Shakur, being African-American, being artists, being layers. Um, humans. Yeah, yeah. like we, we knew we shared that. So it was very important that my mom and dad taught us early on about culture, um, taught us about respect, taught us about 
um, business, taught us about artistry, taught us about nature. Like we just, we loved everything. Um, so before, um, so I'll back up a little bit, before I was raised downtown, mm-hmm. I, um, I, was, I was born in Cane Hoy, okay. which is in the outskirts of Charleston. And that out there were very, very, very Geechee. Like we, you need a, you need so, a translator with like saying, a little okay. ball at the bottom and a screen. Didn't know what was being said at <laughs> yeah, all. Yeah, to, to figure out what we were saying. But out there, like I'm running on barefoot, and the next neighbor was a mile away. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, we we caught fish almost every day. We still it did downtown fun, also. Yeah, no, it was beautiful. Yeah. Like we, you know, we would throw pine cones at each other. That's some country. That's, that's country. Say that. That's very yeah, country. But when you got on barefoot, I was like, yeah, that's, well, you, <laughs> But that's if you barefoot, itself. you need to throw pine cones. They kind of like go together. <laughs> hand in hand. Yeah, hand in hand. So, so it was different um, neighborhood settings. There was rural, but there was also, I guess you would call it urban when I moved downtown. Mm-hmm. So um, aside from that, well, sorry, as a part of that, my education also spanned into just like diversity and travel and recognizing other areas. So we didn't just live in Canehoy in downtown. We also had family in um, several other parts of where we live. Um, so we traveled up north often. We traveled where my parents are from in Concord often. And I think that's when I recognized I was Geechee. Like I, I knew I was Geechee at yeah. home, but I really knew. When you got out of the when you Yeah, got out of your when, space. I, when I got out of... Um, Charleston and, the, and those vowel sounds changed. Like, how you doing? <laughs> it was it, it was draw. slower. Yeah, it was slower. It was more um, melodic, I guess. Yeah. And then I'm like, I doing fine, you know. <laughs> I'm like, what's like, slow down. Saying? Yeah. So just all of that was a part of um, how I grew up: art, history, culture, music, respect, diversity. Um, just a compound yeah. um, that my parents tried to do. And just and just me, you know, even knowing your dad. Great, great guy. Obviously did an excellent job raising his children um, as a grandfather as well. And I see the influences, you know, that he, you know, placed in you specifically because I grew up, you know, I've I've actually lived my whole adult life and later teenage life knowing you. Right. So Mm -hmm. I've known you pretty much as long as I've known myself. Um, So just seeing like, you know, what he placed in you and how beneficial that was. And even hearing you speak on it, we have to know that the the role that our parents play yes. are extremely important, right? And you just talked about those five different layers that he placed in you in the home. How do you see those things relating to you at school? And and not even just in the moment of like, yo, if I wild out, my pop's going to come up here and crack me over the head. <laughs> but like your due diligence kind of, you know, to do what's right when nobody's looking or yeah. or make sure you paid attention to school because you want better for yourself. or, or well, what? well, that was the part. So honestly, I probably wasn't the 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 most well-behaved student in school. Um, when I go back home to this day, all of my peers and my teachers are in awe. Like, and you say you a teacher? They're like, you sure you you were? I'm like, yeah. After you man. gave us all. Oh my that gosh! Straight wrecked the hallway. So, but um, but what always remained with me was the fact that education was essential to me deciding whatever I wanted. Okay. Now yeah. in school. I had to follow certain rules, which I still do. I have no problem with, but I had to take certain classes. Mm-hmm. I had to live um, in, in my domicile with my parents. Yeah. I had to uh, report home at a certain time. But I knew, like I always knew from my parents' narratives of um, their college experiences, from a different world on TV, yeah. from you know, <laughs> uh, friends and families that came back from college and talked about the liberty that you experience in being your own person. Mm-hmm. 
and only discovering that um, that freedom once you have paid, like you said, due diligence. Yeah. Like, I need to make sure I get this part of my life done first um, and in a way that will help me decide what I can do next. So I did. I, I listened. Berg High School, Rivers Middle School. They know me. <laughs> Meminger Elementary, they know me. They, know they me. owe me nothing. <laughs> I had a very good time. Um, but I also knew when enough was enough, and I didn't want to embarrass my family, and I didn't want to... I wanted to, I wanted to do well in school academically and not have my instructors, educators, teachers doubt what I did on paper. Yeah. So just because I produced this great work, I'm now going to be in a spotlight that's different from other people. So what's that mean? You know, what does that come with? Um, and so I wanted to make sure that whatever it came with, I was able to handle and I could back up with a certain level of integrity yeah. outside of the last suspension or the <laughs> moment I was asked to leave class or <laughs> things like that, things you know, like just that. trying to find balance. Yeah. You understand? Balance for sure. And that's, and I, I love that too. Wow. That's great. Balance. You have to have balance in everything we're doing, you know, in the education system, uh, there seems to be like kind of a lack of balance. Right. So when I talk to my students, they always talk about how they feel like they're being taught to test. They're not being taught to mm. live. First of all, for a young person to say that the population I work with, for them to kind of have that that angle and understand that, I'm like, dude, you yeah. just blew my mind, right? Right. Uh, but what what is your idea of the the actual rules of life relating to school? So your parents teach you how to live, mm -hmm. right? Or you watch them and learn right. how to live. How do you feel like that related to your upbringing in school, if it did in any way at all? Yeah, um, excellent points to to explore right there from your students to your question about you know what I saw. And it's twofold. So I learned it directly and indirectly. Okay. So I learned from really, really, really great teachers, not so much direct lessons that they taught me, but what they modeled. Yeah. Um, and so I needed to, first of all, recognize it mm -hmm. and then think about how it might apply to my goals. But then I also learned indirectly from some horrible teachers and horrible educators. I know like, I will never do that. I know. <laughs> Thank you for showing me. Um, your your level of inability, mm -hmm. so that I'm not in the same position. And this and this is not a knock against teachers. Um, I knew since the sixth grade I wanted to teach. Teachers literally saved my life from a lot of things that were going on. Um, but there were some teachers who, I don't know, unaware, unwilling. Yeah. As Ice Cube said, they don't know, they don't show. You know, the, there is not that investment in their um, service group to where they can recognize what needs to be done. But I just, I learned you don't do certain things because of the impact it has on a student. So when we talk when we talk about what I learned and how I apply it, I guess, in the classroom, I think was your question. Mm -hmm. I hope I'm not veering off. That's great. Um, but I try to think about Sakina in the sixth grade, Sakina in the seventh grade. Uh, Sakina on through college as a junior, Sakina as a first year teacher, still being taught by other teachers. Yeah. How do I feel? You know, where's the humanitarian in me that would say, if this were to happen to you, how would you feel? If you were taught a lesson and you didn't understand it, how patient um, does a teacher need to be with you? And so I just kind of try to think about that in my students as well, especially um, in uh, students who may not have had the best experience with educators, you know, before having come to my class. And I don't do a survey or anything. You can see it in their walk. You can see it in their talk. 
you can see it in Especially your responses. Those two. Yeah. The, the fact that you're late every day because you're walking <laughs> slow because you don't want to be here. Uh, or you think right. I'm playing with you. And then two, in your talk, because you're talking crazy. Right, you're talking, you're talking crazy much. or you don't talk at all. Yeah. Or you talk with your eyes and you're just like, I'm not hearing it. You know, so. Or your eyes closed. Yeah. Because you, <laughs> you sleep. sleep. <laughs> Wake up. <laughs> yeah, so I just, I needed to, I need I needed to early on. Um, going into education and to this day, just empathize. Like, what, um, what, how can I recreate an experience that I imagine growing up as the perfect experience every day in the classroom? And how do I, how do I learn about teachers? Sorry, how do I learn about students mm-hmm. that I've never taught? Like, I've, I've, I've taught probably Ooh. every demographic of kid, right? Yeah, that's, but that's that demographic, heavy. yeah, that that's demographic heavy. of students is going to come in a different form every, every semester. Time. Yeah. So I cannot apply what I did last semester for this one uh, El Salvadorian male um, last year the same way I would this year. Maybe he's into skateboarding. Maybe he uh, mm-hmm. digs math more than language. You know, just different variables that might play a role into how I need to instruct. But it always goes back to how would I want to be taught? How would I want to be reached? So... I just um I think about those layers and how my parents said, Okay, we've got five kids in the house at any different point and they all have different needs. So I've gotta do the same thing with my kids, kinda you know, my students, like they are my children. How will I appeal to them differently using all the things that I know in my adult life and in my teaching career? So an excellent point you made was utilizing the things that you know you've dealt with, you've went through to apply um, that influence to your students. Right. So you being someone who is universally aware, um, culturally woke, quote unquote, um, to what everybody's dealing with. Right. Uh, But a lot of teachers are not. Right. So, of course, as everybody knows, nerd. I'm going to do my research to make sure I know what I'm talking about and find out the things that I don't know. So learn some new things. But through research, I found out so many statistics that I'll touch on in a little bit. But I kind of want you to talk about why is it important for educators to be culturally aware? Um, And in that same point that you're going to make, I want you to also touch on how we're losing our people in that system. So with that disconnect, how are we suffering um, in the midst of that? All right, so great area to highlight as well. Um, So one thing that you'll learn in being an education major um, or studying education in any professional facet is the origin of education the way we do it in America. So America had um, a need for the Bible to be taught across the nation. So once uh, colonists came in and settled, there needed to be a common voice. Even though there was religious freedom, there was still a religious need for everyone to be on the same page. Okay. Their problem was not everyone was educated because this idea of free, affordable education <laughs> is something that is new because um, whether we want to accept it or not, all of our people, our ancestry kind of got into debates where there were always haves and have nots. Yeah. So if you have no money, you do not have an education. So compulsory education um, was started and compulsory education made sure that students not only knew um, how to read so that they could read the Bible, but your basic reading, writing, as the Southerners say, arithmetic. Okay. <laughs> um, so then that 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 starts in schoolhouses, but it was for the predominant 
population of people who were represented as free peoples and anyone else who was not free, African-American, Native American, Vietnamese, um, sometimes even the Irish who would come over as indentured servants were not allowed the same um, opportunities, I Mm -hmm. guess is a good word, um, to learn a common written language. All right, so we start there. So now that the system has started for us to have compulsory education and everyone is supposed to be educated, there's that small print that says everyone except you. Um, Why not you? It's there. (laughs) Because you don't look like us, because you're not a part of this new world that we're creating. Um, And for whatever reason those prejudices began and persisted, it's put us all back because of the need to be exclusive in who receives information. So what happens eventually... And I'm not an expert on this, so receive this, you know, um, with my research because I wouldn't give you any other thing um, outside of that. But what eventually happens is that everyone now needs to read and write. You yeah. know, everyone is free or free-ish, as we yeah, just talked free-ish, about with Juneteenth. Just, hey, I like that a lot, <laughs> right? too, free-ish. Every, everyone yeah. is in that position where you are free to learn, to live, to love, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so what happens when... A person who doesn't look like you comes into a schoolhouse and says, hey, teach me. (laughs) Well, then that instructor is like, well, I'm teaching everyone except you because I don't really count you as you. In the South, you were three-fifths the person. Um, As a Native American, you had to cut your hair and change your name and change your religion. And, you know, I could go on for days. But there was this practice and almost this expectation of segregating um, groups of people. Um, Ironically, it gave birth to a lot of good things in the black community. I agree. And in that black community, you learn essentially the same things I learned when I was growing up. You learn about self. Um, shout out to the five percenters. But I, <laughs> I self am Lord and Master is what they would say in terms of finding that God in who you are. And not saying that all of our ancestors and my dad and mom said you're a God, but they definitely said you have control. So if you have control of who you are, and how you want to be perceived in this world, mm-hmm. then you can pretty much navigate where you go in the world. Yeah. Um, as I said earlier about wanting to go to college and wanting to do well in school, I knew that um, education was going to be that key. That vehicle. That's mm-hmm. going to be that vehicle. But what happens when you don't have keys? Like, what happens when you pull up at the lot and they're like, sir, I'm not giving you any yeah. keys. Can't you can't get a key you. fab. You can't get... <laughs> A key ring, you, key, you nothing jingling will go in your hand. Um, so, yeah, so you're in your own schoolhouse. Um, if you look, just a quick Google search will give you historical schools around the nation. I go to Boston next week. Boston is home to so many important things as it uh, relates to independence. But um, they have a, one of the oldest black communities in Boston where you have the oldest school for African Americans in Boston. It's the, it was the first... <clears throat> public school for African-Americans. I got a chance to go there in November. And um, those floors set the foundation for people to walk on, like Frederick Douglass mm-hmm. and Harriet Tubman and um, Harriet Beecher Stowe and MLK and just the list goes on, right? But these places are so precious because they did give students um, that vehicle, yep. you know, that transportation towards uh, a, a way to decide what your life would be. Um, so you had segregated schools that we'll educate here, we'll educate there. And then eventually you get integration, yeah. nothing against board, uh, Brown versus board of education. But my aunties and uncles will tell you to this <laughs> day that segregation, um, while the connotation of the word is horrible, yeah. segregation did preserve, it and did. this goes back to your question. Yeah. It did preserve some very 
essential parts of who we are. Exactly. And it was us. Yeah. How can you have who you are with no you? So you get the compulsory education. Okay, you learn to read. You learn to write. You learn your arithmetic. You learn about the Bible verses. You learn about proper etiquette. You cross at the ankles and not at the knee. If you're a young lady, you sit up straight. You groom yourself. Um, especially that this, one. It, especially that <laughs> one. Especially that one. To this day, if there's a young man that comes in my classroom, I don't care what race he is. If I see any element of ash, I'm whipping out the lotion. Okay? It can be dove sensitive. But your presentation is everything. It is, you know, though. It's it is. Not in a superficial way, but no, seriously, it, it yeah. sends a message on how you should be treated and um, thing, little things that you have control over. And if I can say to them, I have the resources that you need, I will give it to you freely. Because, again, I'm going to empathize with your plight. Like, your knuckles, they shouldn't have, you know, potted of dust. You're in here writing your paper. You know, you got some really good thoughts, but then the chick beside you, like, oh, you ashy. That's, a, that's something different you got to deal with. Yeah, that's a different you know? battle. And in a classroom where um, you don't have an instructor that understands even those little parts, that student can miss the, the skills that you're trying yeah. to teach them. Maybe it shouldn't be like that, but it, it is. Not. So, that, so that idea yeah. of needing to be aware and needing to be diverse and needing to know what your students um, require of you mm -hmm. is imperative. Um, there's a, a a practice or a, a study in education called critical literacies, and critical literacies pushes the importance of making sure that there is something written by women, okay. or something written by a Hispanic male, or something written by a person who has a disability. So it cannot be the same cookie cutter kind of Approach. schoolhouse that only taught um, one kind of student and all the works that came from those kinds of students. There has to be an education, um, this idea of inclusion, yeah. not because <laughs> it's a Supreme Court act, but just because it's humane. Like, why would I want to come into a classroom and nothing looks like me? Um, no one speaks to me. No one celebrates who I am. Um, last person, really quickly, Arturo Schomburg, the Schomburg Museum in Harlem. Okay. I love Harlem. I always tell my husband when I retire, I'm moving to Harlem. <laughs> He's like, you bugging. People move to the south. <laughs> to the, Who to retires the country, and goes to, to the, the north? To the noise. <laughs> and okay. the bricks, right? But um, the Schomburg Museum is this just beautiful sanctuary of things about um, minority people, specifically brown people from Africa, from the Caribbean, from America, from England, from anywhere you can imagine. But what Arturo did, he researched all his life um, literature and any other type of media that was produced in early 1900s, late 1800s, um, just about his people. Yeah. He real life sat into a classroom where a teacher said, these are the historical things that you should learn about. Oh, Arturo, put your hand down. There's nothing that your people did. That's crazy. And so his, his whole life was dedicated to finding um, things that, that spoke to him. So he starts a collection in his home. It gets so massive that it's in the, the bathroom. Yeah, he and his wife is like, listen, these books have to go or we're going. So he eventually found a home for it. And um, today it's the Schomburg Museum. But it, but it came from needing to be spoken to in a place where you're getting not only what you need, but you need to be able to go to a school to get what you want also. Yeah. If that's celebration, if that's love, if that's school lunch, if that's gym time, if that is... <laughs> extra homework, um, help, whatever it is, like that, that school should be able to provide it. And if the teachers aren't diverse or aware of diversity and the need for it, then you can't provide it. Yeah, and you and that was first of all, thank you. That was 
that was dope. I need to look up a couple places. I'm out here getting homework. I ain't in school no more. Um, but I offer annotations yeah. on the weekends for anyone wants to annotate. A small fee. Uh, small fee, of course. Right. Uh, but and you know, doing the research and everything I did, like, I feel like I'm I already know all of this stuff, right? So when I'm sitting there reading this stuff, I'm like, isn't this common sense? But then I kind of took a spin on it for the point in this conversation to realize it's not common sense. Uh, because common sense isn't common, one. But right. two, if you're not immersed in it, you wouldn't know anything about it. So when I read these statistics, like 1.6 million students um, attend schools with law enforcement officers, but not a counselor. Crazy. Right? And say that st- the statistics say that the actual rate per school counselor should be 250 to 1, mm-hmm. but it's actually like 490 to 1. Mm. So like <laughs> we're already kind of grooming our young people to uh, see law enforcement Fear law enforcement, whatever that relationship may be, and not even provide them with a source to help them get to college or deal with anything, you know, on the emotionality side, whatever it may be. Or when I read something that says that systematic bias um, and teacher expectation for African-American students um, and non with non-black teachers uh, has lowered. So, like, plain English, white teachers don't expect black kids to do well. Then you get black teachers who, like, go super hard, like, super hard on black kids who see something in them. Um, however they come about approaching that to help them do better, uh, find out who they are, whatever that was. And that kind of was our relationship. You and everybody else in the class, you know, kind of on our neck every single day. Every day. As soon as we walk in the classroom, even the weekend (laughs) with all of that homework, I'm 15 with an eight page paper. I don't know what is going on. But you presented one of your papers. I did present at, at the, the community the, the community gang summit in ago, Salisbury. Historical. Yeah. It was historical. Look that was up. super dope, right? Yeah. So look me up. I'm in the Salisbury Post. About two sentences about me. Uh, but but those things were important for me and the you know the rest of our classmates because we got to college. We weren't tripping over no little paper like eight page paper, right. bro. We was doing twelve a couple years ago. Right. But it was okay for you to present that to us, though we you know pouted about it and griped and all of that. It was something that you, you know, placed that we would care about it, right? You let us do it on something we cared about, mm-hmm. but you also understood what we cared about. So when we talk about that gap uh, and all the points you made were excellent, definitely running with those. How do we flip the switch? So like, what is the? Is it like a cultural class they need to take? The switch, flip, flip. Hey. <laughs> so how do, how do we how do we change that? Like, because me, I'm hitting this hitting this wall where, and I'm gonna keep it. 100% honest with you because that's just how I am. Uh, I don't like teachers. Like, I think teachers see me when I come in as a threat because, one, I don't have no I don't have no ties to this school. Like, I'm like an outside entity. I'm not going to lose my job for talking crazy. Uh, two, I'm going to keep it real mm-hmm. at all times because when you get outside of these walls, the world is a cold place. And if you don't have yourself set up to succeed or find a way to do it legally, mm-hmm. <laughs> And happily, then you're really pretty much going to be screwed. So when, you know, working with teachers or connecting with teachers, how do we like bridge that gap between the student and the teacher? And when the student looks like me or my classmates and the teacher is, you know, 58 year old Caucasian male or female, whatever, came up in this identity of what the student should be uh, teaching this type of material. How do we bridge that gap? One if we can bridge it, that's the first thing. But two, mm-hmm. if we were to bridge it, what would that look like? So a, a couple of things, just going back on um, your reflection and your question. And and just the beauty of being in this moment um, to think about, articulate, and then try to analyze, right? Yeah. So I'll back up a little bit. 
Um, when you have, I will say this, when you have a teacher in your class, if you happen to be an African-American, Hispanic, Asian, Caucasian, whatever, you go into a classroom and that teacher is of the same race, you have to remember that all skin is not kin. Like, <laughs> Can you say that again? Is, say it, say it louder for the people in the back. Go ahead. Ain't kin. Okay? All skin ain't kin. All skin ain't kin. And it, it goes back to a lot of what I was taught growing up. You see the the person first, which it, it's, I don't know, it's, it's weird. So my, my father was very involved in the Nation of Islam. He was very involved with Black Panther Party. He was yeah. very involved with um, advocacy groups across the, yeah. across the, the man. Um, yeah, yeah, just across the globe and across community. But he always had friends of different race, mm-hmm. right? And he always said, like, we are people first. But it just so happens that we get to celebrate being black people yeah. in our home first, you know, so never lose that. Like, yeah. I want you to love yourself to the sick. Like, what's the, um, I forgot the name of the film, but the protagonist is like, because I'm black, y'all, and I'm black, y'all, and I'm black and black and I'm black. Like, that was us every day. Everything was black. Yeah. But it was also, this person is white. There's good things about being white. It's good yeah. things about being Hispanic. It does not matter until we make it an issue. Okay. So when we walk yeah. into a classroom, and then me as a black girl walks in and sees a white woman. If I walk in and that's an issue off gate, yeah. then we're going to have that's issues. Yeah. We're going to have a problem. Because yeah. understand that this white woman, if she's like me, she's a mom. Mm-hmm. So she's got like these mom sensors that go off that already knows I'm coming in with an attitude. So it may seem yeah. as though she doesn't like me because I'm black. She really don't like me because I don't like her. Yeah. I came in the door and I you like showed you. It. And I showed it. <laughs> I showed it. I looked her up and down. I put my book. I didn't take anything out. My arms were crossed. She could get it, right? <laughs> so it's like you have to be careful going in on the defense. And as adults, we have to be careful on the defense also. Mm-hmm. I have worked with some amazing educators from all socioeconomic backgrounds, races. Um, the graduate group that I work with, um, where we graduated from UNC Charlotte. Hey, 49ers. Yeah. here. Um, I was the only black person in the group. And there was a range of races, a range of experience, a range of background. The main difference we have between each other, they all grew up in this area. They all know the same people. I knew nobody. Okay. Right? So, but but our, our mission and our premise was classroom culture. Yeah. So when you come into a classroom as a kid and you see that this person is not trying to create a culture where everyone can do well, you pick that up immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then as a, as a kid also, it's hard to articulate this. I have entered this classroom and I don't feel as though it's set up to really cater to my <laughs> to <my> individual needs. <laughs> and this is a culture that makes me feel as though learning is punitive. Yeah. If I don't know that the answer is correct the first time, then I'm penalized. Okay. If I see law enforcement walking down the hallway and I just so happen to meet the demographic of the stereotypical student who's going to cause problems, I'll be arrested. Yeah. Like, they don't articulate that. Exactly. So what do they say? You don't like me because you you're white. Like yeah. And I'm Straight black. Straight black lives matter. I'm walking out. They racist. Because they, yeah, they racist, bro. Oh God, they racist. Oh God, they racist. Come school. I was like, right let now, me get bro. a pencil. She says, shouldn't you have your materials, bro? She racist, bro. No, she's making a good point. You should be prepared. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> you know, when I was teaching, um, I, I don't put this into practice as much now. But if a student asks me for a pencil, I need collateral. Yeah. Let me get a shoe. Nah, you never gave us a pencil. Never. Why are you soft. here? Like you knew all year you were coming. I did get soft when I stuff. That last one, Langston. What up, Langston? Shout out to my kids, Langston, yeah. Keyshawn, and Jasmine. Hey. But that last little baby did me in. Yeah. Like you can turn in work late now. You can get a pencil. What? <laughs> what? <You see> this? <laughs> what? Don't even want it. I mean, there's a grace period. Yeah, I won't. Yeah. I won't go late. But 
three days. You know, there are things that I'm more compassionate about now. And that's fine. You had baseball practice. Oh, bless your heart. I'll let you turn it in at eight o'clock as opposed to five. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. But just, but just that. So when I did there, I didn't have to be black to do that. You know, I, I had to be a person that understood last night, keep it a stack. I didn't even finish my lesson plans. Yeah. So how can I now come into the classroom and, and say, something. yeah, you have to have this 15-page paper, period. No. Period. Hit me up. <laughs> Hit me up uh, via email, uh, Google chat, whatever. Drop an, a post-it uh, you know, in, in my box yeah. before class starts and just say, this is what occurred. So just kind of having that ability to communicate as a student, I know it's something that we have in our um, curriculum and in our standards and our fundamental, our fundamental skills of what we teach, but it's something you have to practice. Now, going back to your question, how can I practice it if I'm not comfortable? Mm -hmm. If I'm not comfortable saying, Mr. Watkins, I don't have my paper because I fell asleep. I mean, honestly, tell me that you fell asleep. You get one fell asleep. Yeah, that's it. The next time... <laughs> We realize that's a problem for you. We need to work on it. The yeah. next time, it, it, you either need to have your paper or you need to come up with a different excuse. Yeah. You know, just be honest. Like, this is what we need. We need to feel um, like humans within right. that classroom. We need to feel like, and we need to know it is cold world. Yeah. You know, once I get out here and they, these, these um, I fell asleep, I missed the deadlines, won't pass because we, we needed you. You also need to know that's a consequence. Yeah. You have to eat that. Like if I don't accept <laughs> you your paper, <laughs> if I don't accept your paper, you have a zero. Yeah, and that's what it is. Get to the next paper. It's just that, but but I, I I care about your progress, and you need to know that I genuinely do. But I'm not going to um, allow you to fail in mm -hmm. the process of proving to you that I care. You know, I, I don't want to falsify my compassion to you. A, a lot of students are like, "Oh, Miss Riley, I love you." I love you too, as a student. I love that you are doing well, but I don't know you like that. Not at all. How do I? How do I love you? Like, don't I'm not going to give you anything romantic, romanticized, and nothing idealistic. I'm going to tell you 100% <laughs> authentically what our relationship is, what my objective is for this classroom, and I'm going to beg of you to tell me the same and let me help you. You know, let us learn together and fight about what to do. In essence, that's what every teacher has to do. Yeah. I don't care if this kid doesn't look like you. I don't care if this, this kid doesn't talk like you. you. You have to find a way to bridge that gap between um, who you are and who they are. And the same for the students. Like my, my charge is to make sure that students know you should learn from everyone. Mm -hmm. Like I said earlier, I learned from the most horrible teachers I ever had in life. My, um, my classmates put a post up about a former teacher, uh, what, last year? And so many people knew how I felt about that teacher, so they tagged me, being funny. Ask the key nigga, your favorite teacher, man. I know you want to see him. He's going to be at the class reunion. And I'm going off. Like, he coming there on, on life. He ain't leaving. He ain't leaving. <laughs> you know, so they hyping me up. But they, they knew he never really did anything to me directly, but I absolutely hated where he would use polysyllabic words. My kids call them big words mm -hmm. to either criticize a student or um, even compliment a student. The student didn't know what it meant. So, so they felt belittled. Yeah, so they felt like, belittled. Yeah. So their natural response, hey, what I mean? He's, hey, what I mean? Is that the way we articulate? No, let this man say, hey, what I mean? So you have to recognize that he's Geechee. He'll recognize that you're Hasidic. And now we have a community <laughs> with both. There is space. It up now. Yeah, there is space <laughs> yeah. to exist. 
in in that area, but his constant "I know more than you" yeah, was not receptive, and so I I picked up on it very early. And and so in one ear he's you know talking about the pearl, some mm-hmm. novel we read, and the other ear my dad's like fight the power, you know, and, and flavors doing the, the dance like and fight yeah. the power. So I'm like I got a question, you know. So I'm starting stuff where he didn't say anything to me, but you said that to the young man that lived around the corner from me. So you did say that's that my to me. Yeah. That's, yeah, you that's broski right now. You can't even though he's picking on my shoes. Yeah, but he still, took my it's, lunch. Us, it's us versus everybody. It's us versus everybody. Yeah. That's, that's my cousin. You don't say that. But yeah, you you have to be able to to share that space, recognize what they need. As I said earlier, like it's not a it's 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 so not black and white. It mm-hmm. it can be, and we recognize and we call it out when it is. But it doesn't have to be. Not neither one of us have to be intimidated. Yeah. If we're confident in what our objective is, I'm confident in the fact that I'm going to walk into the room and I can teach anyone. Yeah. I don't care their age. You can. I don't care yeah. what race they are. I I can teach because I want to learn what it takes to reach them. And anyone can learn. If if you say it might take Jay six months to learn a program, but it took me 13. I still learned it. It is. Yeah, you, you know, did. I just, I get my certification later. We still get, still, what's it, the bag? Yeah, we still get we're the still bag. Securing the bag. We're still um, secure in our bagging. Um, <laughs> we eventually get there, but I'm not going to stop midway and say, oh, I didn't get it in the six months because they just yeah. like him better because he's tall. Hey. It's, not, it's unrealistic, so I hope I answered it. No, nah, you did, because I think, really, <laughs> nah, you just like me, like, well, you done ran around the bar 10 times, but you, the point is, you made a couple the points. The point is. Yeah, but not nah, the point being, like, yo, all of those are the points, uh, because it's not a, a single, like, fold layer type thing, right? It's a lot of things that go into it. Being a person first, right? And even to that story, I kind of have a story, like, with one of my professors. One of my professors, I'm not going to say his name, cool dude. Kind of cool. Super old. I'm talking like Buddy was old, old. Mm. Like, he was so old. Yeah. He was so old that he was a part of the team that invented in-school suspension across the country. No way. I was like, dude. I was trying to do some math. Like, bro, that's about... (laughs) Bro, how old are you? Anyway, I went to his office hours one time. Yeah. (laughs) So, yo, I went to his office hours one time. And, you know, if 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 you're a college student or you're, you're on your way to college... Office hours are very important yes, to your grade. Frequent the office hours. <laughs> you need to make sure you That's go to those office there. hours. But he told me to come by his office, so I get to his office, and we're you know having a discussion. And older white gentleman, uh, and he says to me something, something, something. I said, "Yeah, I'm doing good." And he was like, "Excuse me." I was like, "I said I'm doing good." And he was like, "Well," I was like, "Well, what?" He was like, "You're doing well," and I was like, "That's what I just said." He was like, "No, you said you're doing good." It's impossible to do good. Oh, my good. A matter of semantics. Yeah, so I'm like, dude, come on, man. Like, chill on me. He was like, I'm not going to have a conversation with you if you can't speak properly with me. Right? So, I mean, I'm like, buddy racist. Like, (laughs) buddy racist. This is shell. He, man, he wilding. But then, like, you know, as our conversation went on, I was like, nah, he really putting me on game right now. Mm -hmm. Like, he lined me up as I, you know, further throughout my collegiate career, like, or matriculated through the system, uh, the collegiate okay. system. You know, right. he prepared me for those, you know, those those years where I had some professors that were really that, you know, that specific st- about verbal communication. Yeah, and he like really shaped me into the type of communicator I am to the, like literally to this day. Like every time I go to say something, I think about him. Mm-hmm. Like. 
did that come across the way it was supposed to sound? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I type an email, I read it back to myself as if I was the person I was sending it to. Like, what doctor such and such, would he get that how I really meant it? And yeah. in that moment, it's like, yo, this dude really planted the seed in you. And you took it so offensively early on, right? right. When really he was just educating but you, you as a student. But you would have missed the skill set. Yeah. If so I you... moved in, if I would have moved in there with, the, oh, Lord, they're calling the police on us. <laughs> Call the farm out. We done, we done lit this thing on fire. We we heating up in here. Oh, um, but, so, but you, but that, but ring the alarm. You yeah. would have missed the lesson, right? Like that should again. You cannot look at the person who's delivering that message, yeah. and because they come in a certain package, exactly, miss what it is that you can learn. So you know, he's he's teaching you basic lessons about rhetoric and about semantics and how it is important to say exactly what you mean. Mm-hmm. And the art and language, which I love, 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 love. If I, if I weren't a teacher, I would do anthropology or linguistics because I just really, really love the idea of hearing an accent and going, oh, I know where they're from. Yeah. Or looking at a you know the shape of a person's face and saying they might have descendants from blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But you know as a person who has this accent or this stature as a taller black male, you're going to come in and command a certain presence, mm-hmm. right? And so that commanding is going to be further enhanced with your work. And your work comes with communication. True. Again, you, you can't be the kid that's like, oh, I'm not racist. You have to be able to break down what it is that he's saying. And although you're not an English major at that point, he's he's stressing to you the importance of using um, professional levels of English yeah. or what we were taught in compulsory education. Yeah. Or, you know, And so you took it and you benefit from it. I didn't mean to jump into your story, nah, nah. but I just got really happy that's because like, yeah. it's like, that's, that's a skill set. That's something that you can use. You don't ever have to go back and say... Well, if you can go back, because teachers never get to see y'all come back. If you could go back, shoot an email or something and say, you know, I really appreciate the well versus good. I do want to make a side note to say that I took it offensively. Yeah, because of our cultural differences, not just race, but age. And, There's a lot going on um, in that room. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> where I grew up. So I, need, I needed you to understand where I was coming from. So maybe in teaching people in the future... Let them know that. Let them, and I do that in class also. I say, listen, there's a time where we can use informal language, mm-hmm. but there's a, also a time where I have to assess whether you can use formal language, and that that's what I'm concerned about. When I go home, I do not sound like this at all, and I don't care to. You know, that's my time. Me neither. That is my time to <laughs> relax, and I and I want to see the beauty and hear the beauty and what it is that that. We sound like off the water. I don't want to, you know, change my 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 verbiage for your office hours, but I can. You know, I can yeah. now after I, having had that and conversation. And I'm willing to do so. Right. To make sure that we get this across. Yeah. I can write be. grants effectively. Yeah. I and can he talk, hold a meeting all effectively that. and do a podcast yeah. and still come across as an educated individual. There you go. But With also friends. That, which I do have. So, <laughs> which I do have. And that's okay. Right. Because, you know, when you when you take in what people are putting into you and you actually accept it. And I think that's one point I want everybody to walk away with before we break here. Is when you walk into something with positive mindsets, right? You can only get out of it what you put in. Mm-hmm. So, if you walk into something negative, guess what you're going to get out of it? Negativity. Negative and I, stank. It's stank. Attitude, stank. Straight skunk. Skunk. Humming, hmm, mm. right? You can't, you can't progress like that, man. So, as I said in episode one, man, the intro, we gotta feed positivity to get positivity. 
Okay, so I know you, you talked about how you've known you wanted to be in education in sixth grade. How old are you in sixth grade? I was 11. Yeah, that's 11, not right. 11 years old. 11, 11, 12 years old. Okay, so you wanted to be a teacher or, or an educator since sixth grade. Why is that? So what, what laid out your path to wanting to go into education? Oh, I like the specification at the end because I really don't know why um, I've been drawn to education, but we laid out my path, just going back to the foundation, my parents. Mm -hmm. My father um, is a jewelry craftsman. My mother is an artisan of all facets. Um, so the both of them always worked in South Carolina in some capacity um, through art. But at, I think, maybe 70s, my father was employed by the South Carolina Arts Commission and he was a traveling art teacher. Okay. And, oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, that was dope. That's dope. So yeah. I would go with him sometimes right before I was school age. So I'm in the back of the classroom and he's either teaching jewelry or clay or painting or, or something of that sort. And everything that my mother knew um, or my father knew, they showed me. Mm -hmm. You know, that if my mother was creating a new outfit, she did fashion shows. She had a boutique in Charleston. It was really posh. She still <laughs> like that. Um <laughs> Um, from her doing her nails to like her skincare. Oh God, she was the best nutritionist. Like what we would have to pay for right now, we got <laughs> oh, yeah. free. And I'm, I'm ashamed. Yeah, on. I'm ashamed because my kids like eat pop tarts. <laughs> she would have, you know, made the pop tart. <laughs> but she, but I was always being taught, I guess, and I just kind of, I soaked it in. Um, and then outside of the home in school, my teachers were amazing. Like my teachers lived on my street. I saw them in aisle three at the Piggly. Shout them out. Yeah. Shout out. Oh my goodness. I don't even know if I have enough time, but y'all know T P Williams, Claudette okay. Watkins, um, Miss Wright, Miss uh, T Wright, sixth grade, she could smell a Jolly Rancher, call out the flavor of it from across the room. And she's coming over, she's taking the bag. She say, I smell grape Jolly Rancher. And I know who got them, but I could take them right now. And everyone just scrambles, you know, you to put the plastic, bag up. Yeah. <laughs> you trying to you trying to hide them, Miss Brown. Oh my goodness, Mr. Darby. Um, Mr. White, what up, Coach White? He's still at Burke High School. Oh, He's awesome. I come in late. He don't get. He gives me a hard time every time I come in late. Still writes the pass. I love <laughs> you for that. <laughs> to this day, college professors, college professors at UNC Charlotte, I just met last year, Dr. Hefner, um, um, and Dr. Jones. Like just so many people that poured into me in ways that were inexplicable. So I knew I could come for a hug from Miss Taylor at Rivers Middle School, and I could also. Um, get a, a really harsh life lesson yeah. from Miss Watkins, who just needed to tell me what I needed, what to, you hear. needed to hear. Yeah, and it was just, it was it was uplifting. So I think I always wanted to be uplifting. I always knew I wanted to teach English. I knew I wanted to coach track or cheerleading. Um, and so that, that's what I did. I just put my eyes on that, and 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 I just rock with it. And I I kind of move in my classroom with all those teachers. Yeah. On my, you know, on my back. So all that homework we spoke about earlier, sorry, spoke about earlier. Who was that? That was, it wasn't just me. Let me it talk was to who, who I need to talk to. Miss White. Miss White. British Lit. Listen. 12th grade. Listen, Miss White. Okay, I understand. <laughs> Dr. Frederick C. Jones at St. Augustine College. I need them to call me. Yeah. That's them. They came in there with me. <laughs> but that's so cool. Ooh, that's Oh man, I just that's why I love talking to you. Like you've been mentoring me forever. So every time we talk, it's like, you know, even if we drop some type of point, so many different things just spin off of it. And in that point in particular, the the importance 
of what people put into you. And I know you, mm-hmm. me and you discussed the last podcast where me and Alexis were discussing uh, the roles that people play in our lives and yeah. how they have to be cognizant of what they're placing um, in us, That's you know, right. and the energy they're bringing around us. And what I want people to hone in on is uh, Ms. Shakur Riley has touched on every point, the importance that her parents have made in who she is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is not by chance, right? <laughs> that is a, a motif, you know, a, a reoccurring theme for her. Yeah, you taught me yes, that motif. word. Yes, motif. Yeah, you taught me that word. Um, a reoccurring theme in, in her life. Uh, and she utilized that to the best of her ability, but not only to advancing herself, but also realizing who she is as a person. So when we talk about who we are as people, mm-hmm. what do you think is the most important thing in staying up on who we are? Like, how do you continue being the best you? Like, what what is it? Is it... Do we have to keep doing the things we've always done? Is it always you? Just, you have to be reflective. Um, okay. Any a phrase you're going to hear in any profession is being a reflective practitioner. Okay. So if you are an athlete, you have to reflect on your performance athletically. If you are a self-proclaimed or well-renowned scholar, you have to reflect on your scholarship. Mm-hmm. If you are the baddest hair braider on the <laughs> West. Hey. Like you have to look back at your Instagram pictures and see where your where you came from. Yeah, where your te- where yeah, your tension on the braid was a little inconsistent <laughs> on that January post, but right now you popping like you pop. and you the edges to, laid. Yeah, your edges all the way laid. <laughs> Monkey snot. What's the gorilla glue gorilla. snot? Yeah, that's, I know what you're talking <laughs> Snatch about. Snatch the whole edge out, but um, you 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 have to reflect. So um, one thing that I I really appreciate is having been aware for so much of my life, like every. Everything I did, I was aware of what was around me. Um, from I didn't catch the school bus when I was going to school. I caught the the city bus. So city buses are beautiful. If you never rode a city bus, ride the city bus. Yeah. You just sit there and get this whole life lesson on the people around you. You it's know, and, just, and you can make some really funny jokes in your head also that you only appreciate. <laughs> but just um, just reflecting on your environment and just yourself in general. So when you're in the classroom or if you're just in life and you're trying to be better, um, and I'll speak to our community specifically, mm-hmm. when we are being better, it means that we are looking at what we have, right? You stop there, you dissect it. Um, am I satisfied with what I have? Mm-hmm. Is what I have going to contribute to my long-term goal? Um, you and Alexis touched on that beautifully. Yeah. So excellent Thank job you. there to the young lady <laughs> and to you in the last podcast. Um, but what what's contributing to what you want to do next week and the week after that and then the next year? If you know that there are elements in your life that don't contribute, you have to go back to that awareness of self. Mm-hmm. Go back to how you're valued, what you're worth, what you're allowing into your realm mm-hmm. um, from social media yeah. to you know physical meetings with friends or songs that you listen to, toxic relationships, like all of that matters. And if you assess where you are and what you have and you're not satisfied with it, please don't ever think that you can't change it. So an earlier thing we talked about was being free-ish, you know, being liberated. (laughs) So you can liberate yourself from things that aren't healthy to you. At one point in our nation, you were restricted from being able to read. Now you're not. Yeah. You know, at one point so we were read. restricted from voting. Now you're not. So, so vote. yeah. So you're <laughs> in this space now where you can leave, where you can read, where you can vote. You have to do the same thing on a on a smaller scale, you know, in this macrocosm and microcosm of who you are. Deal with the micro. Deal with the small pieces that you can break down and say, I can do this better. So you reflect on that. So just if one example in particular, 
Um, I just finished fasting with Ramadan. Okay. A part of my fast was uh, to eliminate trap music. It pained me. How? I know, right? How? The beat just goes so That's how you ride your corporate. I'm on the way to work. Ride your corporate trap listening to your corporate trap. I'm on the way to work and that seat just be knocking like, mm. <laughs> it just, just wakes me up inside. <laughs> um, but, but I did know that I needed to remove myself from it for a minute and just think about the lyrics that I was allowing into my yeah. head, you know, and into the space of my children in the car. So many, only so many times you can, you know, sing about shooting something up or, or and not feel like shooting or something losing up. Or ripping the pot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm celebrating, I want to throw it in a circle. Man, this is third block. Can you not? Ms. Raleigh, can I speak to you for a minute? Children are uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, but you, man. you know, you have to, you have to filter what it is that you're taking in. Okay, so I look at that sect. I say I don't want that part of um, my day to be filled with toxic language. Mm-hmm. I need to, I need to start refilling on research and refill on maybe old music or refill mm-hmm. on a wonderful podcast like Stay Up. Hey. You know, I'm gonna listen to something that's gonna help me get to the next level. So now you get there, and it, and it's the, this is the hard part. Now you gotta do something about it. Yeah. Now you have to face the yeah. realities of like what you were not doing or what you can do better. Um, you ended the last segment on mindsets. My research recently was on mindsets okay. and um, looking specifically at Carol Dweck's work on what makes a student successful. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't know Carol Dweck, look her up. Last name spelled D W E C K. Um, did some provocative work on just how mindsets determine how impactful your your presence and your work can be um so there's fixed mindset there's growth mindset then you know you're somewhere in between but a fixed mindset this is who i am this is who i always be it doesn't matter if i reflect take a journal write it down look at the documentary (laughs) run my highlights i don't care it is what it is (laughs) um and a growth mindset recognizes that you can um, excel beyond what mm-hmm. you're doing right now. So again, the earlier example. Also, you may master a technical skill in six months, whereas it takes me 13. I still got it, yeah. you know, and I've still understood that through neuroplasticity, my mind can grow, and it's like a muscle, and I can build it if I work on it. These triceps not coming from honey buns. Like you have to keep. <laughs> that's reps, right? Yo, so. For real, <laughs> Me and my struggle with honey buns, so but I know ass. I know if I eat less honey bun and do more reps, I'm good. I may not be summer ready this summer. I'm gonna be summer ready be next time. Look, I'm gonna be summer ready in December. I'm going to somebody. Be. You gotta maintain. Yeah, you gotta maintain. But yeah, just reflect on it, see what works, what doesn't, and then actually act on it as an individual and as a community. Um, I saw the hate they give recently. Mm. Yeah. I meant to watch it a long time ago, but I just wasn't in a space yeah. to watch it. So I recently watched it, loved it, great production, right? But one thing that my husband and I both talked about was how we talk to our children and we reflect and we give advice and then we ask them to articulate what they got from our conversation. But we realize that's not happening in every house. Not at all. So what <laughs> happens when Sean at 18 is going to cook out with his friends he's been friends with since kindergarten? They didn't have that talk. Mm-hmm. So one of them pop out like, I ain't putting my hands up. Nah, I'm, I'm free like everybody else. I don't want to do blah, 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 blah. And he's saying, no, you don't have to be subservient to an unjust system, but you definitely have to be smart so you can get home. Get and home. we Look, can get always home. Always the goal is to make it We to the can house. get home. So while you popping off, we all get shot. Not, not saying that we're at fault in any way, mm-hmm. but the skill set that you're learning through those discussions with your parents, you can't dismiss. Oof. 
The skill set you got from that professor during office hours, you can't dismiss. The skill set that your boy keep telling you about, and you're like, yeah, yeah, but you got a mama and a father. I ain't got that. Okay, but you got me. And I'm trying to give you the yeah, keys, Yeah, I'm talking bro. to you right now. Yeah. So, you know, reflect on those sources in your life that are giving you the goods, as opposed to saying in a fixed mindset, this is who I am. This is what I have. This is what I always have. This is who I always am. Um... And and just kind of accepting that you you can this is to all of us we can advance beyond what we are right now you know and and in many ways we can't even see what we're gonna be at all that's what's so crazy it's, and so beautiful isn't that the whole like oh, oh spine chilling like, all yeah, at the is, same it's time it's like the scariest most exciting like I feel like at you know when you're trying to achieve multiple things like I feel like yo I'm at the top of this roller coaster and like it's about to drop. But then it's like a little whoop, and then it just mm-hmm. like it's like a little kind of like a little drop, like your stuff kind of turn up, yeah. yeah, like that little dip. And then it's like, bro, I'm on to something else, right? Like I want to keep doing this, keep yeah. doing this, and keep doing this. And that momentum only happens through reflection and through taking chances and saying, "I've got to grow myself because yeah. who else is going to do it?" And eliminating fear, right? And eliminate that fear. You got to get that out of you. That fear I, comes from not being prepared. That's that's the only person that's scared, like. Mama mentality, that Kobe mindset, right? Mm-hmm. He ain't scared to shoot the last shot because mm. he shot it eight hundred times yesterday. <laughs> yeah, but he practiced it over and over again. Yeah, he you did it. it. You did it. You so, can't. You can't sit on your butt and dream about the podcast. Right. This man created the podcast. You know what I mean? The, the artwork, the theme music. This could be next year. You still not have it, but you jumped on it. You did it. Yeah. You and know? I and that's exactly what it was for. You know, putting people around me to help me do those things. And eliminating that fear. Like, what if people, what if it, what if it don't bust? What if right. people ain't really rocking with it? Whatever. Like, <laughs> I did it, right? I did it and I'm you here. Did it. And that's, and I, I love this conversation because as you can see, everyone listening, uh, education is not only relative to the schoolhouse. Mm-hmm. It's not only relative to colleges and universities. Education is an ongoing process throughout your life. Mm-hmm. If you're not learning something every step of the way, then you're losing, right? Nothing. I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong. Nothing stays the same all the time. It doesn't. Like, I don't know anything that stays the same all the time. So if something is constantly changing, that means that we need to constantly change. We need to constantly adapt and be apt to those things and Mm -hmm. and those changes so we can consider ourselves winning, you know, as as life continues on. So education is definitely going to be... One thing I was excited about when you talked about this topic and just education as it relates to the African-American community Mm -hmm. or education and the African-American community is creativity. So um, in recent years, Bloom's taxonomy has been changed. It's that pyramid that shows... I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they might not know. Okay, so there's a pyramid. My bad, people. My bad. (laughs) There's a... um, Well, Bloom's never created an actual illustration of a a pyramid, Mm but he... um, we, we take his philosophy and say, okay, what, is, what does it take to show that a child is actually learning or that a person is learning? And um, amongst the, the traits would be to recall, to um, remember. Um, I forgot the other one. It's horrible. A teacher. <laughs> but at the up. top is creativity. It's to create. And I'm like, why is it that we're just now putting that at the top of the pyramid? Creation is your way. To determining what kind of life you're going to live. Literally. Yeah. I know we say education, but education is to... And so you talked about the young kids earlier in your school that say, I feel like I'm just being taught to take a test. Mm -hmm. And that is a harsh reality of uh, formalized education in the Americas, and but also in India. I had an awesome opportunity to travel to India in 2014. And in speaking with 
the teachers there, some teachers in um, in Mumbai and in, uh forgot where else I was. Oh, Pune. Okay. Love Pune. But they were talking about how they really wish that more parents would be involved, teach them the things that they need to know at home, you know, in terms of who they are and okay. just like fundamental yeah, skills. The and then stuff. school be like, the school be where we reiterate those things, yeah. not where we do everything. And they also talked about the pressure to test. So the summer I was there, there was a newspaper article that ran and um it was there was a picture of a building where parents were scaling the wall. They were scaling the wall and in their hand they had answers to the standardized test balled up. And so they would get up to the window where their kid was in the classroom and they would throw the paper into the classroom. The kid would get the paper with the answers in hopes of putting down the correct answer and passing the test. Because in India, there is no uh, government assistance. There is no scholarship opportunity. Either you're in or you are out. That's crazy. And that the caste system, you know, they claim doesn't exist anymore, but it very yeah, much right. so yeah. exists there and in other places. Keep yeah. it a stack. We we guilty of it also. Yeah, yeah. But you just don't have those options. So what do you do? Do you continue to just kind of go downstream with the system that's already created or do you create your own space? Mm-hmm. And so I think one jewel that we have in our African-American community is that we've always been creative. We have always made something where nothing existed you know just in in my lifespan alone i've been really excited um to experience i've created so many initiatives i can't even you know think about it me time is my favorite oh, yeah. me time girls mentor and service group at salisbury high school i'm um, still there hey girls <laughs> um under the direction of my sweet sweet sorrow who's continuing it but it's a place where that girl that does walk into the classroom and automatically says this is not for me. I don't see you know myself here. Come here. It's nothing no one <laughs> anyone up. can say to me yet. Let me talk to you. Look, We're having Tom, a meeting man. after school. Would me you Tom, like to come? <laughs> me time is that come sit your tail down. Yeah. Let me put something in your ear real quick. We need some time. Me and you. Yeah. We didn't look what you want. What do you want, darling? You know. But it but it needed to be a safe place where um students could talk about those um those preconceived notions mm-hmm. they had about a, a classroom or what it will offer. And so instead of them sitting there and just taking it. You sit in that classroom and you create what you want to happen. To this day, any student who's in my class knows I do not accept PowerPoint presentations. I don't want a Prezi, but it moves, Miss Riley. Mm -hmm. That's because the programmer who created it made it move. Now, you show me what you can can do. do. Yeah, Yeah, now I can't teach you coding, but I can give you a website where you can go explore it. You know, bring it back and make it pop. You know, I I can give you more information about it. Yeah, no, we not do a poster <laughs> boards. We not <laughs> look. My skin started. It's possible. I don't like those either. I'm just trying to help. I'm trying to help your students. But it's Lord. but it's not. You didn't create anything. What you do? You transferred information. True. So that's at the bottom of bloom. So what if I'm assessing what you learn? You're putting me in a position where I can't because all I know is what you repeated. You know I don't know copy. what you learned. Yeah. I want to see if you can take a, a body of skill sets and create something new from it Mm -hmm. you know we had taxi cabs before and now we have uber and lyft like taxi's about to be done done for we have netflix now we had blockbuster it's like one blockbuster left one block block. (laughs) (laughs) so what's you know what's next what are these skill sets that we're teaching you especially in our county in rowan you're one-to-one y'all have to do something with Mm -hmm. this technology you cannot just play games on the ipad and ipod that's not what it's for like find something that's going to help you Set yourself apart from everyone else. When my students go to the Renaissance Festival, 
um, in what Huntersville every year, they already have projects that they have in mind. So it might be a student wants to look at fashion okay. um, that was in, that was prevalent during the Italian Renaissance. Okay, boom. Check the fashion, take pictures, come back and do a comparative piece on modern day fashion. Look up fashion lines that are influenced by wow. that kind of fashion that occurred. And then I want you to create your own fashion line. And I want, to be, I want it to be something we've never seen before. But Miss Riley, I can't draw. Okay, so you tell me what the alternative is. Can I Google some pictures? You sure can. But as soon as you do that, of course, you got to cite it. And then I want you to break down oh, what in that picture proves that it is inspired by this particular time period. And then if, you know, one day you want to go work for Vogue, what reimagined sense of this fashion line inspired by the Italian Renaissance that's been done a thousand times before, what can you bring? That's learning. It is. And that's education. Learning. And you can still take the test, though. In the <laughs> you know, and you can still Yo. break down the question and figure out how to answer the and question. And that's going to be the easiest way to do it, though, because now Critical. what you've done as, a, as an influential educator is make it real to the student. Yeah. Right. And they bought in. I think the buy-in is the, is the most important part in what you're getting at. Once you buy in and you see yourself as a part of whatever you're doing, mm -hmm. then it becomes more real to you. It's no longer just like work. It's yours, yeah. So when it, when it, when you get an opportunity to to make it you, and if you're anything like me, I ain't trying to put out nothing. It's garbage. Yeah, <laughs> I want everything I want to put out. If you put in put as much time in your work as you do in your Instagram posts and your angles, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> then you it, no seriously though. If you put that much care and precision into the, the projects and things you're working on, I mean, your Instagram might be your project. Yeah. So, I mean. And it could be. It could. And that's very well fine. Yeah. But make sure that we're consistent, of, you know, on every level. But Agreed. teaching that, though, because I think what we're doing in our community is we're kind of robbing robbing ourselves uh, of, of an opportunity to give back. Like, as if we've found a secret or something and we're holding it. Like, right. Tight to our chest. How do you how do you feel about people who you know have gotten to certain levels in whatever they're doing uh, and don't seem to be giving back, or is it even their is it their problem, quote unquote problem, to give back? Yeah. So I definitely think that we are obligated to help each other. Yes. Period. Just the whole idea of humanitarianism and us growing as a people um, is at the at the is is priority, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the world is too big for us to help everyone individually at every given point. So Which where do you know. start? You Which start you in know. your community. You do. You start with your service through Alpha Phi Alpha. You start with your service through Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated, 1913. <laughs> <She> goes, hey, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> you start right here. So um, looking at BET Awards last night. Yeah. So one thing that we do in the house, we watch any awards that come on. We talk fashion. We talk performance. We talk hair weave. Well, he got on, right? bro. <laughs> It's, it's in there, man. like that's our thing. So um, a couple things stood out in the awards, and I usually have this talk with Upward Bound when I when I teach Upward Bound at Livingstone, and I always come back and say, okay, who saw the awards? If they didn't see it, I'm playing the speech back because I probably am teaching American literature. You are though. Yeah, it's no problem. Right? You that, definitely that are. That is what it is. So we're not only going to talk about the mo oh they didn't have a cipher this year. That's what was missing. They did. So we usually talk about the ciphers. We talk about the acceptance speeches. Um, one that stood out for me, Tyler Perry. I don't know if you saw it, but he talks about helping people cross. That's the plate. You're okay. Taking up the offering. Right? <laughs> it was near and dear to my heart, you know, because he said cross. And so the Greek of me was like, hey. Um, but just crossing. If you think about Langston Hughes and 
his poem about rivers. Mm-hmm. If you think about um, our spiritual base and crossing over to um, the hands of God, whatever you call him, Yahweh, Allah, Buddha, Jesus, whatever it is, yeah. like you get there because you you've crossed, you've done a service, and someone has helped you cross over. But we are obligated to do that. You cannot live in this world and think that it will improve if you don't improve someone else. <laughs> You you have to you you have to plant that seed and then help it grow. You can't just say, "Oh, I, I shot old dude a website. He ain't look it up. That's on him." No, you have to have. You know, like, I ain't some, guilty. You have to have something. <laughs> at least check back. You know, send a follow up text. No, did you do what you? Yeah, were supposed did you to do? did you do that? Did you do what you were supposed to do? Lord, you um, but in on. our community, I can't. Going back to my parents, I would be. A fool to not help people who look like me exactly. first. Exactly. Yes. I just not on some discriminatory tip. At all. Not you know on prejudice. It's just what but it you is. No, it's straight up. Like I seen the people around me who didn't have the resources. Who didn't have the resources? I saw the so, other people who had the resources. How can you not? So and I, and that's the romantic in me. That's the humanitarian in me. But the scientist in me, the the the, 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 eco- the ecologist in me, <laughs> is also like if we're all lions and we run in a pack. We need to eat, right? Facts. So I have to teach the cubs how to hunt. If I don't teach them, we don't eat. And you know what happens when the lion gets too hungry? Might eat another the lion. Cub, yeah. <laughs> and that and that's what happens in our in our communities as well. And I know we talked earlier about, you know, race, but it is also very much so about socioeconomic mm-hmm. class and wanting to hold on to that American dream of I, I got mine. Yeah. You know, I got mine. Security. It's too much of a risk to reach back. Yeah. That's that fear you talked about. But um, I forgot which network it was. Maybe BET or a syndicate of it. But they ran a, a program or a special on black businesses. Okay. Yeah, I have to see it. It is provocative. Um, I thought I knew, like, everything black because that's just the cocky of me. Um, <laughs> but they, they outlined so many um, black businesses and philanthropists. That it just made my head spin. I learned I'm not even in business, and I feel like I can run one right now just right on now. the ancestors alone. Yeah, facts, though. like, yeah. <laughs> but they they talk so much about the initiatives that they're doing, and while it may look on the surface like there aren't people who are reaching back and that are helping, what it really is is that we're not seeking it yeah. because we are still in that fixed mindset where we like I'm black, they ain't gonna give me nothing. Yeah. You know them people oh ain't gonna God. give you nothing. Yeah. Man, you can't do that. You know that you don't have to give me anything. I have never been in this world and said. Let me show up to a place so they can give me something. Like, let me show up to this place and show what I can offer. Mm-hmm. I don't need you to give me anything. And things that I do need you to give me, I can ask for professionally. I can seek out myself and I'll proceed and improve from there. Proper steps. But yeah, I, I know my proper steps, but that's that's not what the aim is, and that's not what the, the core of the issue is. The issue is we have to want to do better once we've reflected and we're ready to actually make a change. You can start with a simple Google search. Programs that help black businesses. Programs that help black athletes. If you want to put black on it, put black on it. If you want to do a general search, just go and show up. What they're going to tell you? They're not going to help you? You know, if that's what the program is is meant for, and you go in there with a mission and you know what you need to do. I forgot what the question was. I'm just... Nah, but no, you, I was about to... Just, look, really, it didn't matter what the question was because I was really about to go off of that. Yeah. Like, play, go off. Go take off, take this, this little step back role. Um... You think, you know, that the the role of victim, and I say this to my friends all the time, colleagues, whoever I'm talking to, the role of victim is a very powerful role. Mm. And I think people don't realize that. Like, you think about, we always want the underdog to win, mm. right? That's a powerful role as a victim. You know, they 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 get 
the spirit of people around them, behind them to push them forward. Mm-hmm. But also you feel sorry for the victim. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they get that, get to play on your heartstrings a little bit. Uh, but I think a lot of times we enter situations and we're not prepared. Mm-hmm. And then expect for people to just welcome us in. Like, if your steak ain't cooked like you want it, I bet you're going to send it back. You will. You <laughs> so, definitely will. So don't don't half tell something. I'm trying to stop cursing. Don't half, <laughs> half do something and expect to get, quote unquote, rewarded uh-huh. because you don't deserve it. And I think we have to make sure that we're educating each other on doing things to the best of our ability, mm-hmm. living by example, uh, but also actually showing people. Right, mm-hmm. you know, you can't just give a man a fish. You want to give him the postal and teach him how That's to fish. That's right, teach him how to fish, so he can eat, you know, forever more. Yeah. Um, and I'm sitting here going through the points. We've covered like so many points, mm-hmm. like all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one thing I want I want people to know is know that education plays such a big role in every aspect of life. Everything you do. Even to get to this podcast, you had to learn how to click on whatever you went through to get to wherever you, whatever platform you're on listening to it. Right. I think we take things like that for granted. We have to be cognizant. And I use that word probably too much. But it's because we have to be self-aware. Mm-hmm. We really don't understand the role we play with the people that we might overlook or uh, feel like aren't watching us. Um, I had an a interview recently and the person I was, you know, discussing with, they asked me, what are two things that young people have taught you? First of all, amazing question. So I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you that question, but I'm going to tell you what I Go what I said. It. Two things I said Lead that young people all. teach me. One, to always be aware of what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? Because they're always listening and they're always watching whether they show it or not. The second thing the kids taught me is to be myself. Mm-hmm. You have 30 seconds with young people. For them to decide they like you or not. <laughs> 30 seconds. That's it. They're going to look you up and down. Uh-huh. You're going to open your mouth and say whatever you're going to say. And that's that on that. Right? And then they're going to decide. So what are, what are two things or uh, that young people have, have taught you? And something that you, and those two things, uh, how have you utilized them in building your relationship in education with them? Um, great lesson you take away from the youth. The same with me. Um, and I don't know if you remember, just in the days where you were in my class, like, y'all constantly check me. And so I constantly had to be on my P's and Q's. Facts. Like, I, if, I, if I am a good teacher, I will, I will confidently say I'm a good teacher. But if I'm as good as I hope to be, um, you know, as a professional for the community, then I'm honored. Because I, I have very high standards for what I want to relay in the classroom. Um, but I also have very high standards for my students when they... Uh, evaluate me so they I have learned from them to be honest (laughs) and to be respectful and to be consistent so that consistency is probably the the biggest uh, takeaway from what I've learned from my students um I think we talked earlier about mandating a deadline from a student but they meet the deadline sorry mandated deadline and they meet the deadline then I say Let's say for a research paper, I'll have it back to you in a week. If that was this Wednesday, next Wednesday, please believe. They have emailed me 8 a.m. We don't meet until 11 a.m. Mr. I just want to make sure that you check my paper. And I have to respect that because, you know, word is bond. I said, I will get your paper to (laughs) you in a week. And that is what I have to do consistently, even if it wears me out. And I cannot sit on my laurels and say... I'm teaching these kids right these kids writing skills. They better be glad I'm teaching them this stuff. But they're also teaching me my time management. 
So because I care about them and because I care about learning in the same space that we share together, I have to do things differently. Mm -hmm. So it transfers in my classroom through my time management, through um, my lesson selection, through my reflection also. Because eventually I report to administration. I report to my team. I report um, in workshops and in presentations um, and publications. My grad group and I just received word that will be published um, in the near future. I'm seeing what a celebrity y'all. <laughs> so I'm so thankful for that. Allahu Akbar. But like I had to, I still have to reflect on that and I have to be consistent in what I put out into this universe. So not just what I've allowed in my space, but what I put in other people's space that might be of detriment yeah. or might be of benefit to who they are. And I have to live with that. Like I have to live every day with the fact that they've taught me to be honest and respectful, but then I'm inconsistent. You know, so those, those things on the line. So a couple of times um, earlier on throughout the discussion, we discussed, you know, our relationship with one another and how you've imposed great things on my life. Uh, one, I recorded your wedding. I helped you move. You had me write a paper on gangs. I did my paper on the KKK. You did. And you let me kind of spin that into how it was a gang. Uh, and it was. It was a gang, you know, set up, right? So just things like that, you know, and you prepared me for everything that I faced um, on the educational level, but so much that I faced in life, right? And I always remember, I will never forget, uh, and I, and it's funny to me because when I talk to young men, because I, I deal with young men a lot, uh, when I'm educating them on how to be a man, right? And my, my students came to me one time and, and they, they asked me that question, like, what is, what is a real man to you? And I remember one day, <laughs> we were in class arguing, going back and forth. It was me. Uh, Jaquil mm -hmm. and somebody else. I forget who else it was. And we were just going back and forth heckling. And you were like, yo, come in the hall. <laughs> so you pull us in the hall and you're like, yo, what are y'all arguing about? It doesn't matter. Like, you want to be right all the time. Somebody's going to be right. Somebody's going to be wrong. You got this male bravado thing going for you and it's not working. Right. You're not doing things the way you need to do them. Of course, you said it a lot more loud than that. I don't want to hurt the people's ears. Um, and you said a couple of other choice words to us. <laughs> but it's, it was what we needed to hear. And from that moment on, right, that kind of shaped my identity of what a man is to know how to deal with other men, but also how people you care about. Because, you know, I care about you a lot and, you, and I know you care about me mm -hmm. and your impression of me meant a lot. To the things that I want to do. I always want to make you proud. Make sure I did things the right way. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one thing that's lacking. Um, not only in the school system. But education uh, amongst relationships. Mm -hmm. Right? People aren't uh, looking to please other people. You know. And that, that's not quite what I mean. But I always want to make sure. Hey. Mr. Court. This is what I'm doing. Is this right? Like. Am I doing this the right way? Like. To make sure that. You know. This idea that you had of me was what, what I wanted it to be, right? Mm -hmm. However it came across. To my point, or my question being, mm -hmm. how how do we get that back into our community? Uh, because we know we're using like, we're losing our young people at like yeah. a drastic rate. Like, and it's, it's scary to me. Um, you know, the statistics and numbers I read, they're kind of, you know, pretty alarming that, mm -hmm. you know, we're killing each other at the rate of an, of an endangered species. Mm -hmm. Like, that is wild to me. Like mm -hmm. when you say endangered species, I'm thinking the white rhino, mm -hmm. uh, Bengal tiger, and the black male, and the black male. Yeah. Now, right? So, <laughs> right. I think 
what has helped me sustain for so long because you know I great I have great parents just like you I I, I won the parental lottery I'll never say I didn't I get love great your parents. parents shout out to your parents <laughs> shout out to my parents man. your they parents were. are awesome they, thank y'all for teaching me to be a parent when my teenager because my baby was five when yeah when Jay I was, was in 15, the class. yeah so. <laughs> and, and, and that's just and that's great like that's love that's just how how we operate and it was beneficial for me to have that all that around me so I feel like you were a part of that network that shaped me. But we're losing that. Mm-hmm. Um, or it seems as if we're losing that. You can mm-hmm. correct me if I'm wrong. How how do we create that network or locate it if it's not missing? Mm-hmm. Because our young boys, they need that. They need that love. They need that that guidance. They mm-hmm. need to have a woman tell them, this is what a man is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I can tell you that, right? How, how, like, what what does that look like? You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, help, definitely. Help, help me out here. <laughs> definitely tenfold again. So I'll try to make sure I'm, you know, I'm hitting it where it needs to to um, be targeted. But um, a couple key things there. Awareness. I said that earlier. Mm-hmm. You have to be keen to what your learning opportunities are. And you have to know when people love you. So I've had a lot of pushback from students that in the first three months don't like me. Yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> I didn't come in for you like me. I have an objective. I want your skill sets to grow. And if that means that we're going to be in the trenches for three months, let's be. get it. Like, I, come in on. In the mud. Because I have an understanding of who I am and who you are in terms of adolescent psychology um, in relation to a teacher and my role and, what, and how I need to try and impact you. Mm-hmm. But if you don't tap in, like if you don't, if you don't give me a chance. To show you where I love doing what I love, what what I do, and how we can have a loving relationship as teacher student, and we can have a we can have some growth happen. Um, honestly, it's it's going to continue to be hard yeah. because we are battling influences outside of the classroom that say um, that they love our students, and that their love is more violent, or is more negative, or is more unrealistic. Um, and it's short term. It's not long term. So you come into, I was in 211 at Salisbury High School. You come into 211 and I'm like, work, 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 work. Hey. They don't want to work, 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 work. They want to just, you know, jam to it, show the role. Yeah. And then the song goes off. There, there's not that um, that commitment to really in, investing in ourselves. Um, and so you have to be aware you have to, I'm glad I said invest because I wanted to remember that point. You have to be willing to know your value as in this in this black body and in this black skin and in this world in which we are black today, you are so valuable. I'm talking yes. from hair care products to privatized prisons to tuition to um, apparel to the food industry. Yeah. To the, 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 the entertainment industry, everything that you can think of, every facet. Did you say sports industry. Oh, Top how two. can I not say sports industry? <laughs> Top two. Okay. Go listen of, to Varsity Blues by Wale. Oh Lord, <laughs> just if you can handle it after all of this. But we we put so much value into this world, and we ask the world to say we ask this world to accept our value and give us a number when in actuality the table should be turned like you should know when you sit down at this table to negotiate with life like i'm i'm bigger than what you ever going to see i'm the only sakina amira shakur riley that will ever walk this earth and so when i come into a setting and i have something to offer it is invaluable so i'm going to invest in myself to make sure that i'm even more equipped for what i need i can't do it by myself though if there was a professor 
a grocery store owner, my husband. Oh, I love that man. He is, they're going to tell you the things that you need to know. And what's more important, they're going to help you along the way. You can't push back when it's hard for you to actually grow from it. You know, you can't say, I'm not, I'm not in for this. So I actually have to disagree that there aren't resources in the community that are helping us and there aren't people that are helping us. I think sometimes we get, um, we're consumed with the disparities, you know? And I know this is easier said than done. So anyone listening, I'm not saying your life is hard and um, it's not as hard as the next man. Yeah. So beat your chest and keep pushing. We, no, that's, you know, we that's all hate when people say right. That, right? that is yeah. not what I'm saying at all. Because Lord knows I'm still going through you know a plight or several plights that I need to figure out myself. But I know it can be done. Yeah. And th- and this is where you know speaking and analyzing and reflecting is really hard. Because I am going to offer what I think would help. But then what the community now is going to do as they should is hold me to these words. Like Osakini, you got all these ideas. <laughs> When last time you came to the NAACP meeting? Yeah. When were you at city council? When did you, you know? And so, but I, but I do have, um, I do put in work, you know, and I do what I need to do just spiritually and in, in terms of humanitarianism um, that will make a difference. But I will say, we have a lot of, um, we, we, have a, we have a need and we have an energy right now that is pushing us towards politics. Mm-hmm. And... Um, as Tyler Perry said last night, going back to the BET Awards, it's nothing new, but we are concerned with sitting at a table that's already been structured for people who do not look like us and who do not share our concerns as opposed to creating and building our own table. Yeah. What is wrong with building your own table? One of my favorite songs right now is what, Old Time Road, yeah. Nas X. I like it because it's catchy. Yeah. Me and the five-year-old can jam to it. It is something very different. It's it at is. the top of Blooms. He is creative. You know, what's well, not very different. It's what but music what has mean. been. Yeah, yeah, but right now, this way. He got his own, like, Exactly. To it. Yes, yeah. keep that. Why did you have to say I'm wearing a Gucci cowboy hat? So now you got to bring back in mainstream and say, oh, this verse really going to pop yeah. when I say Gucci. Baby, what, Gucci's already, Gucci has Gucci made like, money over money over money over money yeah. and notoriety and, and branding. We can name that verse, but not a lot of people remember to put X at the end of Nas because we already have Nas, right? So where is it that you've created this own space um, and looked at people that can help mentor you and, and, and help you with that? You know, so you've got, we got to look outside. We got to own some of it ourselves in order to create this thing that we're desiring and that is to help each other. I can't help you if you don't give me a hand, you know? Um, so it's just, it's... It's easier said than done. I know. I get it. It's something that I'm grappling with um, myself in yeah. terms of how we can. You and me both. Yeah, just really like this magic yeah, that's going to happen to blend it. Like, we want to do it all. Like, <laughs> yeah, we want to do it. If we just, if we just do this. It's like, yo, I feel like I'm on. I'm always on the on the edge of something like great, something amazing, and I think I am. But I know you we are. can't. We can't save the world overnight. But uh, we have to, like you said, you got to be in the mud. You got to do what you can do, and that's and that's what you can do. As long as you're doing that, I feel like you're giving back in the best ability of yourself. And so as we reach the end of the podcast, I want to say thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a complete pleasure. Yes. Um, before we wrap up, 
Tell the people what you want them to walk away with. What is your like burning point that you want every listener to have from everything you had to say today? Just create. I think um, education is so important in terms of making the new. So we were created. All of us were born into this world from um, atoms and molecules and whatever scientific um, uh, combination we needed to actually live mm-hmm. in life. Now what are you going to do with it? So the the common cycle is to create more. So not not just creating people, but creating opportunities, creating pathways, creating programs, just creating something that's going to make life better in some way, your life or someone else's life. The only way you can do that is to research, prepare yourself, make yourself better. And along that way, don't forget that self is not here alone. You've got so many other people and resources that you can reach out to that will help with your um, advancement in education and financial literacy and health. But you can't look at what that resource is um, uh, looks like on the outside. Don't just turn away and say that because that person doesn't look like me, I can't get anything from them. No, build yourself up, create a space for you and the people around you, and then give back and let somebody else create that space as well. The only way that we're going to continue in being who we are, um, but in a better form, is to make sure that we're reflecting and creating opportunities to do so. I tell my kids all the time, as we were before, kings and queens and agriculturalists and engineers, we will be again. But it does not happen by luck. It's going to happen through that work that we need to put in. It's going to happen through diligence. It's going to happen through faith and not being fearful, um, but being resourceful as well. So if nothing else, just know that education as it stands in our community, race or socioeconomic aside, or socioeconomic elements aside, you've got to be the one that creates this space for something that you know you need. If you're taking notes right now, I'm pretty sure you have between five and seven sheets of paper, front and back, filled with noteworthy information wow like what an amazing conversation about education and the african-american community that conversation went to heights i hadn't even imagined so i'm so glad to have been a part of that man like that was just amazing special shout out to sakina shakur riley for blessing stay up with her presence such an amazing educator such an amazing mother sister daughter wife just an amazing person and i'm sure you could feel her spirit through our conversation not only is she the best educator i've ever encountered she's also my confidant my mentor and uh, someone i consider a true true friend thank you so much for blessing us with your presence special shout out to you the listener for making it through episode three the episodes before this one this episode and i thank you for sticking with me through the many episodes to come. I hope you enjoyed it, man. I hope you enjoyed it. Reach out to me. Let me know what you thought about this episode. I look forward to hearing from you, man. I I don't take it lightly, man. Stick with me. I appreciate you. Be blessed. Y'all stay up. Love.